This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Good morning. Again at the cross, miserable day. I wouldn't mind being in uh, the Greek islands at the moment. This is where I want to be, but uh, this is where I've got to be, so I'm going to enjoy it. Okay, uh, today's show, uh, we have the uh, great fortune to be able to get Angie Mentis along today, and I'm going to have a chat to her about her role at National Australia Bank, culturally how important uh, her growing up was for the way she actually executes on her role, and uh, you know, I, I don't mind saying Angie's a good Greek, and uh, so I don't want to show favouritism, but... Um, we're going to have a good old nag about that sort of stuff. And uh, I, I, look, we've been getting lots of um, YouTube videos. To be frank with you, I want to spend most of the time today with Angie, so I'm not going to go through the YouTube videos. Keep sending them through, um, some really good quality ones. I'm going to have a good look at them all next week. And uh, we're going to pick at least one, maybe two people to come in and we're going to film it in the studio. Um, but great work, guys, great work. Um, just quickly, let's quickly uh, top off around the economy, the Australian economy. Um, the most important uh, barometer of the Australian economy is what the Reserve Bank governor's got to say because they've got their hand on the pulse. And in fact, they've got their hand on the lever. They control the economy. So the things that came out of the Reserve Bank governor's minutes last week, um, between last week and today, I should say, um, and you can always go to rba.gov.au. You can see it for yourself. There's about 15 pages of stuff there. Read through. It's pretty simple. It's well executed and well written. It's in good, easy uh, language. The main things that come out of that is this. Um, it seems to be that Glenn Stevens, who is an extraordinarily conservative guy, is having a whinge, which is fair enough that government's hands are tied and as a result of that, government can't spend any money on government expenditure, which is important in the GDP formula. I told you many times the GDP formula is household consumption plus business investment, which is non-mining and mining, plus government expenditure, uh, minus or plus or minus exports, minus imports. So it's important to have a, a, as big a number as you possibly can get in that formula for government expenditure, um, and that is basically fiscal policy, and the government expenditure is pretty much flatlining and, and indeed in some cases going backwards. So what Glenn Stevens is saying, look, I can't stimulate this economy with interest rates alone. Um, I've got, I, I am doing my best job, but I need your help, government. The government, of course, has got a mandate not to spend money because they're trying to reduce the deficit to a surplus. It's a bit of a problem. Um, Stevens has made it pretty clear that he'll continue to use interest rate lever to stimulate the economy because he's not getting that infrastructure spending support that ordinarily most 
fiscal and monetary policy uh, environments would do. So, you know, fiscal policy and monetary policy, which is the Reserve Bank's policy, they work hand in hand. If there's no fiscal policy, then there's more pressure on the um, Reserve Bank. And I think Stevens is finally starting to show his, uh, the burden he's, that he's been carrying. I've been talking about it for a long time. Um, and good on him. Um, it's, it ta- it's, you know, you've got to be pretty ballsy to get out there and say that about the government, particularly when you've been appointed by the government. Anyway, um, he made it pretty clear that he will reduce interest rates even further if need be. And his two mandates is unemployment and inflation. And, un- and inflation right now is running way below target and unemployment is above target, uh, not sort of galloping out of control, but not necessarily in the place where he wants to see it. So he's also saying for the June quarter, which would be interesting, we'll find this out in July, that um, the ABS is expecting the ABS statistics at the end of July to say that the GDP number for the quarter and therefore the annualised rate is going to be slowing. So that's a very interesting prospect. Um, unfortunately, the share markets are hearing about this sort of stuff and the share markets are in a horrible decline over the last few weeks in Australia I'm talking about. Um, so not good not good timing. And that probably is a good, just a, a good uh, segue into the fact that the Westpac consumer confidence numbers come in low um, for the month of June. It's not unexpected. We've just had a, you know, we've just had a, uh, a budget. It's supposed to be a you know, small business budget. It actually gave businesses confidence. The NAB um, uh, business uh, index came out saying that um, business, small businesses and business owners had uh, a good level of confidence after the budget. Now consumers are saying they don't feel confident. So it's a, it's a bit of a mess. But anyway, I'm sure it'll all sort out. Probably the problem is it's uh, too many uh, short days and long nights, winter, and uh, we'll all feel be better, probably feeling better come September. We are, I feel anyway, personally, and I guess you, you'll, you'll make your own decisions once you listen to this podcast, we are very lucky to have Angela, oh, I call her Angie, um, Angela Mentis, uh, come in to, today to talk to us. Now, Angie was supposed to come in a couple of weeks ago. She um, unfortunately couldn't make it. She's looking absolutely beautiful standing here. Like she's, it looks like she's been in the Greek islands for a month or something. I don't know how she does it. Angie Mentis is the most senior executive at National Australia Bank in the business division. She runs a $30 billion business if you just strip that out of NAB on her own. Well, with a big team, but she's the boss. She's the main game. And it's fantastic because uh, I'm here now talking to the woman who would be considered the most senior female executive in business in this country. Uh, And, of course, Gail Kelly used to hold that mantle, but uh, she's retired, baby. I've got the real deal here right now. Angie is a very interesting person. And uh, apart from anything, she's a powerful executive. But what's cool about all this is is she doesn't act powerful. She just comes across really relaxed and uh, quite an empathetic woman. So I want to say hello, Angie. Hello, Mark, and thank you for having me. Last time I saw you, I think we had lunch or something. I can't remember it was you, me, and Spear. I can't remember, but uh, it was around April or something like that, around Easter time. And I, as I recall, you just about moved into a place which you've been renovating. You've been going through all the horrors of renovations. And uh, what I want to know is, how's the joint going? Oh, it's a beautiful home, Mark. I'm going to be working for a long time because I've supported the Australian economy and the local builders and all the tradies. Um, and the and, bank. And the bank has a big loan, a big <laughs> loan. <laughs> it's good to know that you got a loan. And you got, I presume you got a loan from NAB. I did. Of course I did. Okay. And just like everyone else, you're paying it out every month. Every well, you pay, Do you pay fortnightly or monthly? Uh, sadly, at the minute, it's uh, just interest only, so I'll get on to that. <laughs> I, I should declare um, I have a 
first up, I've got to declare this. I have a, an interest in that National Australia Bank, as far as I'm concerned, is the best business bank in the country. I want to say why. I'm not here to pump National Australia Bank's wheels. You know, like uh, the reason I think they're the best business bank is they've been doing it for the longest. They have the biggest book in the country. In other words, they're doing something right. Uh, they must be looking after their customers. Um, uh, they, they seem to me to have the best products in the marketplace. And for my money, but for my mate George Fraser, who happens to be another Greek, <laughs> who's at St George, but he's now who's now moved closer into Westpac, they seem to have the greatest empathy towards the way businesses operate in this country. And this lady here, who was appointed into this senior role, uh, I think September last year. I understand to have now visited 1,000 customers of the bank, of NAB, in, what, nine months? I quickly worked out that's about 100 customers a month. How the hell she's done that? 100 customers a month. There's only 30 actual days in a month, so that's on average three a day. It's quite an outstanding effort, but what it shows me the most, most important is she's top to tail. In other words, she doesn't mind getting down and getting dirty and talking to her customers and finding out what the hell's going on. Angie, how the hell do you do it? <laughs> I have a wonderful team around me and we've got, we've, we've got, as you said, we are absolutely the biggest business bank and we have confidence in uh, the future of business in this country and, you know, leading such a big business with that footprint and market share, I feel an enormous responsibility um, that we have to give confidence to uh, the business community so that they can get out there and invest and and get this economy going. So uh, how do I do it? I'm disciplined. Uh, for me, it's absolutely about our customers and it's about our people. So they're the things that I'm passionate about and that I focus all my time and energies on. And so that's what I do. Well, and you do it very well. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just, when I'm looking at it, I just want to go back a few years to when you were a child, which wasn't that long ago. Oh, thank you. Um, take me back to, say, when you're below 10 years of age. Where, what are your memories? Where would you live? Yep. Yep. Tell me about your folks. So my folks, so um, I come from a very proud uh, Greek family um, and I think that a lot of the resilience and courage that's in my DNA came from my dad. So when I think about my early days, uh, mum and dad were in the food um, and services uh, industry and my earliest days are me standing on those milk crates and uh, getting to the sink and being able to, you know, do the washing up and, and the wiping up and uh, living in those uh, cafes and um, and restaurants. And two things struck me as I grew up in, in that small business. The first one was the great empathy that my parents showed to everyone. And the second one was very much their dedication to customer service. And I think that I, I've learned that in my DNA. So when I, when I lived and grew up in those, um, in those coffee shops and restaurants, uh, mum and dad knew everyone. They knew the names of their customers. They knew about their families. They knew about um, how to delight and service them. Um, and, you know, one, one example that really resonates with me is um, uh, when I was at Citibank uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, and they were down in Margaret Street and dad's cafe at the time was was up in Castle Ray Street and if the waitress didn't turn up, Dad would give me a call and I'd dash out at lunchtime and run up uh, from Margaret Street up to Castle Ray Street and I didn't have to do very much because um, at the time the family law courts were in the building where Dad was and he used to have the schedule of all um, of all the, uh, the the barristers and the lawyers and he <laughs> knew when they came in and he had their, their meals ready so all I had to do was write their name on the top of, 
of the ticket, the docket. And for me, that, you know, that really said something about how much he cared about his his customers. And he used to say they were like family. And so that's incredibly important. And that DNA has stuck with me to put our customers and our clients at the centre of everything we do and to think deeply about the decisions we make in banking and to make sure that we think about what impact those decisions are having uh, on our customers and on their families and on their lives. So, you know, I used to run back down to Citibank and coming back and people used to go smell me and go, you, you know, I can smell spaghetti marinara and pizza. Like, where did you go for lunch? But, you know, it's just a, a little example to just show. And I still see, you know, customers in the city that were customers of mum and dad, you know, 15, 20 years ago and still talk, um, you know, so passionately about mum and dad and the service and the care that they gave uh, to, to their to their customers. Um, we and talk about metrics. We talk, you know, you, I'm sure you get it in your bank all the time and I get it in my business. Metrics, analysis, you know, uh, analytics about customer behaviour and all that sort of stuff. But isn't it funny, like, you go back you know, 20 years and, in my case, so my father, because they had a cafe in George Street, and you go back to that period and actually these old dudes knew as much about customers as we know today. We just got more information, but they knew more about the basics. And the basics are name, preferences, uh, where do you want to sit, and, and then they knew how to actually do something about it. The, the computers today, the, the systems today don't tell you how to do something about it. They just, te- they just build up a, a bigger picture. That's right. It's no different though. And it's the basics and that's what our, our customers want. They want us to know them. They want us to um, bring them insights that help them grow their business. So they, if they, they, they can ask us lots of things, but they want over and above that. The value for them is the networks that we bring to them. Just like in dad's shops, they had, you know, they always used to get together and, and talk about what was going on in the economy and in politics and what was going on in their lives. That's what, that's what our customers want. It's, it's still the basics. How can we know enough about their industry and know enough from other customers that are like them and bring them those insights and then bring them that best of NAB is what we say to our people. Bring the best of NAB to those customers because if they're growing and they're successful, then we're successful and if we're helping them, you know, meet their, their aspirations and their goals for their for their business and their families, we're all building a better Australia and that, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's that it's, high it's purpose. You know, no, I said something about, you know, Greeks. I mean, I don't think this is you know, exclusive to Greeks. I think it's, this is exclusive to this um, trait, this character, this quality you bring to NAB and, and others bring to other places is I think those traits are not so much, you know, from a European background, but more about successful, what, what people know is is a successful formula for running a small business. And if you can take that into big business, which is what you've done, you've transferred that DNA, as you call it, into big business, then that'll help the big business become successful. You know, it's uh, it could be, you know, the old Jewish uh, rag trader guy. It could be the Chinese guy who runs the Chinese restaurant and he's had his kids grow up into that environment. But it always goes back to a common denominator. It's about people working in very basic fundamental environments, their kids seeing it and, and saying, okay, maybe it's not even a conscious decision. You say, okay, I'm going to take that skill, that thing I've experienced all my life, that thing that's stamped on my, on my neurons. You know, I saw it works. It works for dad. It worked for my uncle, whoever it was. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to make it work for NAB, like one of the biggest banks in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pretty simple formula. You don't learn that at university. You probably don't even consciously learn it. You've actually subconsciously ingrained in it. You've seen it mm. and you've experienced it as opposed to someone. Sort of, I bet your dad didn't always say to you, now listen, Angie, you make sure that we take a list of all the customers and uh, we build metrics, analytics, and we know that. 
He didn't say any of that. You just watched him. Is that how That's it worked? That's right. That's how it worked. That's how it worked. Grew up in that. And, and again, just, you know, that care for people. You know, you have to. It's a service industry. It's a people business. That's what banking is. It's relationship. How much more powerful do you think it is? And I, I don't want to sound um, reverse feminist here, but uh, how much, or reverse the other one, whatever the word is, um, how, how much do you think being a woman assists you in this process? That's a good question because um, I used to really think about this when I ran the private wealth business because when I used to go and talk to our clients and I spoke to so many of them, especially before we thought about what is our proposition and how do we shape this business to really meet what our clients are telling us, I kept finding these amazing women that were relationship managers and actually had that biggest, that, that high empathy with our clients. And whether they were our advisors or our estate planners or our relationship managers, a lot of them were women. And I probed and we, we just had this ability to listen, to really, really listen. To, to our clients and really understand what was going on. So we weren't sitting there talking about product. We were actually deeply understanding what, how did they feel about money? What was the legacy that they wanted to leave? And just really understanding that. What was their hopes and aspirations for, for building their wealth and, and transferring their wealth? Um, and they were the women nine times out of 10. The, you know, all the metrics were telling me that there was, a, there was an echelon of a relationship manager and advisor that was doing something right. And I used to say, how do we clone what's in the DNA of these women? Because they are doing something special. And our clients used to say, they listen to me, they care about me, they get what is going on for me and, and, and how I want um, to leave a legacy and how I want to manage money and how I want to grow it, etc. So I think it is that listening. I think it's that building relationship as well, taking the time to, to get to know our clients and to build relationship. And that's not to say that men don't do it well. I mean, there are a lot of us who do it well, but I do think women just have that innate ability to listen more and take the time to build a genuine, long-lasting, trusted relationship. It's funny you should say it because, you know, I've, I know plenty of guys, you know, and, pl- and plenty of organisations run these sort of so-called networking conferences, etc. And uh, I've always thought that a lot of bullshit. And for me... Um, and I think mainly the reason was is because, you know, you give someone your card and they give you your card. It's like speed dating, you know. It doesn't mean anything. Like, it's just a nonsense. And, the cha- you know, you'd walk out of there with 20 cards um, and ine- the, it's inevitable you just won't – you put them all in a file somewhere. You won't ring any of them. In fact, you, and there's no point getting them because you won't even remember whether you got a card from a guy who's a tradesman who you'd like to look up to get something something done. So what, I, what I'm hearing you say is it's not about networking. It's about community. It's about building relationships within the community, like deep ties. And one of the things you mentioned to me the other day when I was talking to you was um, these uh, places where small business owners can go, or business owners can go. You've got one in Melbourne, you're thinking about putting one in Sydney or something like that, right? And uh, is this, what is it? Tell me what it's about. Like, what's NAB doing here? So it's called The Village. Yep. So what we've done in 700 Burke Street, and we've got plans in to Sydney open or Melbourne? in Melbourne, Melbourne right. and we've got plans to open uh, in Western Sydney. Uh, it's a little way off, but we're working on it. And the thought around that is to um, have a co-location space where NAB, where NAB customers come to work, and they come to work and meet other like-minded small business 
um, owners uh, and not-for-profit and they come to collaborate and they come to be part of a business community. Uh, and they um, and we call it like like a tribe. They're part of a tribe. And we've got um, 1,543 members of which uh, 1,221 are organisations and up to 300 people go through there each day. Wow. And I've gone and worked in there as well and met our customers and understood what's on their mind. And they've got access to uh, NAB people. They've got access to um, other insights that we give them. We've also got uh, Friday night drinks where they have a little bit of a banter and talk about the week that was and, and, and what they're doing and what's on their mind. And it's and it's to your point, it's about us aligning culturally uh, to the community. And we've also got a social media centre there. And again, I've sat with so many of our business customers there. And again, we're, we're the only bank to be providing um, that social media service to our customers. And it's all free. So the village is free. The social media centre is What do you mean social media? What do you mean by so that? So social media centre. We, we have these screens up in the room there in 700 Burke Street where we can go in. So recently I was in there with some customers of ours, one of which was a bakery, one was a real estate agent, one was in sports uh, wear, active sports wear. And we do some analysis around um, their business and how um, uh, their brand is spoken about on social media. So on Twitter, on Facebook, on websites, and we can show them. So for the bakery that um, we were talking to, we could show their, so they do it in little circles so you can see their bakery and then you can see their competitors and you can then go through and look at the last 90 days and how they were spoken about in social media. So it really informs our customers. Interestingly, in that one, there was a spike in conversation around around them and it was Easter time and it was some mums who had dropped their kids off at school and they had tweeted about their awesome hot cross buns and others then went to you know experience the hot cross buns that this bakery was selling and um, the owner said isn't this interesting we sit and we think about our our social our um, you know Facebook and we think about the way we market our brand and we market our products and really it's our people it's our customers talking about them mm. so it just gives insights around how to think about your brand and what's important and what your customers are saying. So we, we provide all that down in um, 700 Burke and we've got a social media centre in the Ernst & Young building in Sydney and we have hosted 850 clients since and customers since 2002 and it's quite powerful to sit and help a small business owner around their website and to help them when they're thinking about how to connect in with their audience and just give them those tips and to give them a bit of a report on what's been said about them and then what are their competitors doing and how can we help them, you know, be have a bigger voice and a bigger presence in social media because it's incredibly important and that's and is helped. It, and is, is it, are you doing this, I mean, look, you know, I'm in business too and I guess sometimes we do these things because we're trying to build a brand for NAB and we're trying to introduce customers to our products and services. But do you personally feel as though there's something more than that? I mean, you're doing I it do. because you really believe in I, it? And I do think it's that, Mark. And I've been at NAB for nine years and I actually chose NAB. So I'd been at my previous employer for 10 and a half years and had had a, a wonderful time and an affinity with, with their brand. But I, I looked and, and thought deeply about the next brand I would go and work for. And I, uh, the things that attracted me to the NAB were around their social conscience. So, you know, what the, the two things were firstly their microfinance program. So NAB is one of the biggest microfinance providers in the Southern Hemisphere. And it, it connected with me deeply that th here's a bank. You that, so microfinance for, for those are customers that are disadvantaged and cannot 
access money um, in, in through banks. Um, NAB has a program where um, they they lend up to twenty thousand dollars to, in effect, those startups. Uh, but it's more than that. It's about mentoring. It's about providing them assistance around how to start up a business, how to think about um, some are very disadvantaged and can't afford a fridge, a television. So we work with the good guys and good shepherd and we get that to happen for them. So that struck a chord with me that here's a bank that doesn't that yes, it's about the shareholders, but then they do some things that are incredibly important and they're helping disadvantaged um, uh, uh, people in our community. And then the second thing was around the Indigenous programs that the NAB do. And that connected with me where I had worked before. I was trying through clients of ours to, um, to, uh, to do pro bono around helping Indigenous, around sponsorship, around mentoring, around uh, helping give them more education and more support so that they can you know, have a better life than, than those before them. And when I came to NAB and, and really um, and found the work that they're doing in the Northern Territory and the sponsorship and the scholarships they're giving to Indigenous, both those um, proof points for me said this brand is different. This brand has a DNA that's a little bit different to the other banks. And I've absolutely felt that since I've been here. You know, one of my first um, uh, trips as an executive at NAB was actually to go to the Northern Territory and spend a week with Indigenous Australians and to really think about the adaptive problem that's happening in the Northern Territory. And that's a, that's a really good leadership development too, because we have all our businesses, we have to have adaptive leadership and to actually go there and see a problem that cannot be solved through normal means and to really talk to everyone from the Indigenous in the camps to the government to the education to the hospitals and really think deeply about a problem. And I, so they're two examples that really attracted me to NAB. So I do think it is in our who DNA. Was who was your leader then? At, back then it was George Frazis. George, so was it was George. Band, but it was that under Armoured? And under Armoured. And in fact, it was a program that John Stewart had put together, right. which we still your do chairman. today, which is called Accelerate. That's your he chairman. was the CEO at the time. CEO at when, the time, yeah, right. Yeah, when I joined Okay, and then, and then Cameron, did he run, Cameron Klein Cameron run the same Absolutely. So Cameron ran with that program and it still exists today and Cameron deeply invested in us as leaders because his thought was that you can, you know, the banks are all not dissimilar. So he wanted to really um, um, shape and leave a legacy around the leadership of the people. So that that that, that, that thing that Cameron, because I like Cameron, I know him quite well. I don't really know your currency, but uh, um, I... I remember when when the bank ran that program where they were sort of advertising. It was quite clever, but they were divorcing themselves from the other four yes. banks. We broke but, up with the other banks. Yeah, and I actually thought it was a very brave thing to do. Yeah. And it was very Cameron Klein, um, really very much his DNA. And it's a bit like, uh, and I might, like I'm a big fan of Telstra, but only because of David Thody. And Thody's similar to Cameron in mm. that respect. They're very empathetic, nice guys, good guys, powerfully intelligent guys. I don't mean the and I mean in any sort of – I'm not trying to undermine them, but they actually had a, quite a good softness, gentleness to them. And I think bu- a real lack of ego and a deep empathy and connection um, with with people. And they in turn have appointed those sorts of people in their own – let's call it their own image in, in some respects into running the business because they don't run the business. People like you run the business and then other people below you, alongside you run the business. So um, I think most people think that, you know, in or everyone's CBA or – Whatever, but that, that's not how it works um, to those who are listening. And uh, and and what's important is that the the guy or girl at the top appoints people in their own image who have the same message and understanding and purpose in their yeah. in the business. And 
I think Cameron's, and obviously... Uh, and Andrew Thorburn, I mean, I look at our current CEO and he's deeply passionate about our customers and he wants to leave a legacy of being the most respected bank in Australia right. and New Zealand. And that's big because banks don't always get it right. And, you know, the basics we talked about, they're easier said than done. And, um, and, and it's still, you know, continuing on the legacy of the previous CEOs. But Andrew is deeply um, wanting to change the experience that our customers are having. And, and, I, and I strongly, it resonates strongly with me and our leadership team being the custodian of the biggest bank in the country and leading 5,000 people in the front line. But I also feel that, you know, I'm responsible for the NAB. So how does Andrew's team all align and be working on the right things. And, you know, simple things, Mark, where when you're out talking to customers, we, we don't get the basics right. So how do we work diligently and execute flawlessly around getting the basics right? So we've been, when, when we go out and talk to our small business customers, for example, um, in the two mil or lower um, loans, we were clunky in how much we were requiring to get from them to, to set a loan up. And you think about that, and in that segment, they don't have, audited accounts and, you know, they're trying to – and we're asking them for all these things. And so we've looked at that and we've said, well, actually, what we need from you is your best statement and we need less from you and we need to get to know you more. So we're constantly – because you're talking to customers and we're trying to turn the the company from the board right down to be deeply thinking about customer. When you you produce product, banks are not always that good at putting themselves in the the shoes of our customers and thinking deeply around designing – that product from a customer perspective. As opposed to saying, customer, you must conform to our right. product. You're saying, you know, product. here's a good product and we think you're going to like it. So there's a lot of customer groups that we do. We've also put together a NAB Labs under Andrew Thorburn and we bring our customers in to solve their problems together because we deeply believe that that agility is what banks require to be successful in the future and to be agile to how our customers' needs are changing. Instead of sitting back and having these big plans for five, ten years, our customers' needs are changing so much quicker. So we have to adapt and be agile and be designing customer-centred design when we think about our products, our processes, when we think about how we put our teams together in, in, um, in our networks and in our communities around our customers. It has to be centred around the customer. So, I mean, I, I guess also your shareholders, and if there's a shareholder listening, they're probably going to be thinking, okay, well, uh, what, what's, my, what's the ROE of the bank? I mean, ROE, return equity is an important part of everything you guys do. You know, you're investing the balance sheet of the bank Correct. into products, which, you know, which is what you do. You match assets and liabilities. Um, it's a bit like sort of working out, look, measuring Australia based on gross domestic product, yet in, um, I think it's uh, Bhutan or something, they, they have another happiness. measure, happiness. Happiness. So index. what we're talking about here is this sort of fine balance, this mix yes. of doing the right thing by a customer. In other words, trying to help build the customer because, quite frankly, if the customer is ultimately getting screwed, then they're not going to give you a good return because over time something's going to go wrong. Correct. So it's it's trying to get this ROE right, the return on equity right for the bank, for the shareholders, for the balance sheet and getting a good return on the balance sheet. But at the same time, it's about getting a, building a sustainable business if you're going for the business community, which is what Correct. you do. It's different if you're going for home loan customers because that's pretty simple. You've got security of their, pro- their pro- uh, property. You know, you can sell it from under them at any time and get your money back. And that's pretty ruthless, but that's the way the home loans business works. Um, but if you're doing lending money to business owners where there may not be any security, the security might be the business itself. 
which may not be worth anything. It's not like selling a house into the property market, which is on fire. It's you know you might have to sell a business or close a business down or take put a business in liquidation and sell the few assets they have. So it's important that you are empathetic to the customer. It's important that you understand everything about the customer. How important is NAB's understanding of the process of credit, for example, assessing someone's ability to service a debt or any other transaction? How important is that that to you in terms of you being the biggest lender in the country for small business yeah. owners. In other words, getting more getting business Getting more business. Else. So, so, Mark, we've been doing it for 154 years. So we've learned a bit about and we see Australian business and our people are there with our customers. They're, they go in. You've got to go in and you've got to understand the business. You've got to touch the factory. You've got to understand the inventory, the cash flow, the character of the business owner. You've got to understand how to bring, you know, at that life stage, wherever they are, to bring the right products. Is it cash flow that they're looking for? looking for? Is it uh, all they need help with? Is it their business plan they need help with? Is it how they set up their their advisors around them that they need help with? How, what amount of debt? What is the structure of that debt? Because that's incredibly important as well. We should be thinking about that at the beginning of the life stage. You know, what is the, is it a partnership? What is the, what is the succession planning around those business owners? And then making sure that the credit represents a sustainable solution for, um, for that business owner. And there's behavioural, um, uh, and quantitative and qualitative. And it's that whole thing. And it's a big responsibility to make sure that you're putting in those right facilities and then being nimble and looking at it all the time across that life stage because there's a time when the when that business owner needs protection and there's a time when they need asset finance. And so it's constantly working with that business owner and making sure, again, you've built that relationship. So they're telling you everything as well when things – so you're there to support them when so things are someone, good and like, when things are not if, so if good. If I'm your, one of your customers, um, does that mean that, um, for example, Angie, that you would have someone who who's appointed to me. You have like- a dedicated relationship manager right. and then that relationship manager has a whole team of specialists around them and they've got analysts around them as well. And if I look at where I think we have really got thought leadership. It's around our specialisation. So there are some industries where we have deeply specialised across the entire value chain, across agriculture and across health, for example. So we've been doing that longer than anyone else. And if I look at agriculture, we are there in the communities around the country, 600 agribankers, who most of them, when you go and meet them, they've come off the farm. So again, they have that deep empathy with the the farmers and the, and the agri-customers. And we have specialised across industry verticals, so beef, aquaculture, sugar, cotton, um, sheep, etc. And that whole team that supports that agri-beef farmer has got a credit analyst that is steeply experienced in in beef. And it has um, an analyst who, again, when they're sitting there talking with that customer and putting together the right metrics around that and the right solutions around that, they deeply understand the life stages of beef, for example. And because we've been there so long, we understand it through good and bad. So we know the cycles and we know how drought affects it and we know when the weather is where it should when when it's coming when the crop where it should be. So, I think that that deep specialisation is a competitive advantage. So you you just said something really important, and I think look, there's an industry out there that uh, banks and bankers are mean bastards, and uh, I can't imagine that someone applying that to you. But they 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 think that, and because they don't know any personality, there's no personality in a bank. You can't you can't see there's no person behind a bank because it's just such a big organisation. Um, you don't always get it right. I mean, sometimes you stuff it up. Um, 
how do you feel when you know that there's we're in a downturn and there's you know you're going to have to unfortunately mm. have that um, um, challenge in your own mind. Do I protect my my shareholders' position? In other words, the balance sheet and the shareholders, the value of the bank. Um, and in that regard, I have to um, make tough decisions about someone who's in default, for example. I mean, in that that period when you get a real conflict. I mean, do, have you been through one of those periods? I in have this an, capacity. I have, and in fact, um, when I was at Citibank for five years, I worked in their workout division. And when I think back, but to, explain what that means. So, in the workout, so uh, back there was a, work, a division in Citibank. So, in the late eighties and early nineties, there was a lot of entrepreneurs who were on the brink of financial ruin. And Citibank had a division where they pulled a lot of us out from other parts of the organisation. And for the next five years, we worked with these, um, uh, they were everything from corporates to business owners to institutional clients um, to, gosh, there was an island that um, I looked after as well. And uh, we worked for a boss at the time who had wor- who had lived in these businesses for 20 years across the world with Citibank. And he had a very different um, mindset around this. His mindset was these are human beings. These are people who are employing Australians. And our job is to get in there and understand what's beneath it, what has gone on to get that um, that entity into the position that they're in and what can we do so that there is still a business left at the end of it. So that was a little bit different to what others were doing in the late uh, 80s and early 90s. How did you feel? So that used to empower me because I knew that I could go in and understand what was going on and we could put more money into that if that was the right thing to do at the time. Um, and I looked after a number of facilities over the, that time and not one of them did. Even when there was a receiver appointed to two, I was responsible for, we worked with that receiver and we were able to get the right outcome for that owner, for the um, shareholders and for the the bigger economy. And so I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about what goes wrong. And interestingly, when we went back and did an analysis on a lot of the things that went wrong, we actually pushed policy and pushed leverage a little bit more than we should have in some instances. And um, so that taught me a lot about, you know, there's, there's a framework and the people that are designing a lot of these credit standards and policies, they've actually lived through some of these cycles and and there's a reason for those frameworks. It also taught me a lot about people, a lot about people when they are on the brink of financial ruin and, and again, um, how to, to really empathise and support them and be there as a partner and not be there as the big bad bank. So I fast forward to the NAB and NAB has a division called Specialised Business Services and I give the, the agri example. So we are the biggest agri bank in this country. That's we people have, lend money to farmers and so So everything, so right across from top end of town to um, to the small business owner, uh, if they are having difficulty paying their interest servicing their facilities, we don't go in there and go, right, that's it, repossession. So in the farming example, we have, you know, 30,000 relationships or 90,000 individual customers in that business. And we work for anything from one to five years plus with those um, uh, farmers. And it is very rare after, you know, you go through all of that and there's some that we're talking to at the moment where we've been talking to them for two years, interest moratoriums, how can we go in and help you restructure? How can we actually put more money in to help you? How can we work with you around farm mediation? We were the bank that pioneered with the government farm mediation so we could go in there and actually help them stay on the land. And it is very rare to foreclose. And, you know, out of that 90,000 customers, there would have been about five in the last... 
in the last year, if that, and in fact, two of them from drought. So we were, and that we've been working with them for years. So it's it's that um, it's that ability to go in there, understand what's going wrong. How do you restructure? How do you go in and put the other resources the bank has? How do you bring accounting firms in to help that entity? And then how do you support them so that? they can go back and grow again. Um, and some of them don't make it. And some of them don't make it because they might have been poorly run. We mightn't have set it up like we should have. Um, we, so there, there are those examples as well. There's not always, always happy endings. Yeah, but it's how do you respond to that? And how do you empathise that there is a human being there and there is a business there that employs and that produces services uh, for this country and how do you think differently about it? I must say, I don't know if that's the attitude of all the banks, but uh, what's interesting is that um, something that's coming out of all this today is that it's not fair or correct to say that all banks are bastards um, because you can actually impose on a banking structure within the bank itself, like your bank, um, um, human qualities that you know the bosses of the banks, you and all all the other guys hang out in your in your group, your group executive. Um, you can impose your will on the way you deal with customers. It doesn't mean you've got to do a, a shoddy credit deal. You're not going to be doing shoddy credit. It doesn't mean you're going to be holding someone up when they shouldn't be held up. You know, in other words, you shouldn't support them when they shouldn't be supported. But what it means is that if there's an opportunity to save something, mm. you'll save it. Mm. That, that's not a bad attitude. I mean, that's no. you don't hear that much. And from banks, and I think it's because, and I think it happened by the sound of it, it happens there because it's a bit like I was saying about David Thode before. If you have the right people in the executive, and that you, in that DNA, and in other words, they made they're made in say Thode's image or in Thorburn's image or in his predecessor's image, um, then you can have an empathetic bank, mm. and it can work, mm. and it's possible, and it's actually happening here at NAB, yeah. which is the reason why I'm a big supporter of both NAB and Telstra. I mean, I, and I say it all the time because I actually like the guys at the top. Yeah. And it's all about the leadership and the values from the top of the company. So our new CEO has, has um, again, he went out and met so many of our customers and clients and our people. And we worked on what were the values that kept coming back when we spoke to all our clients and customers and people. And the first one was passion for customer. And he deeply, it, it, our behaviours and, and when we're rated at the end of the year, we have to demonstrate, do we have a passion for customers? Do we have a respect for people? Uh, do we have a will to win and, um, and a will to win for our customers and for our bank and for our people? And are we bold? So are we, you know, are we making sure that we're challenging the status quo? So when our processes aren't good enough for our customers and when the experience is not good enough for our customers, when our technology is not doing what it should be doing as executives and as people of the bank, how are we challenging and facing into that and going, well, what are we going to do to fix this? And, and when are we going to fix it? And what are we going to do? So I think that those values and, and do the right thing is the fifth value. And that really came back. And I think it was a lot from our breakup campaign. It was a lot from our fees and fair value that, um, that, that we've, yeah. we've done. So they were the values that kept coming back. And every day our CEO says, I, I, you know, I want you to lead like that. I want our people to, to have a DNA around those values because well, banks are big. 
And when we don't get it right, it's the basics that let us down. You know, the odd chance when I get a letter from a really frustrated customer and I read it and it's like we haven't returned their phone call or we haven't done what we said we're going to do or maybe the relationship manager's changed and we haven't done a good handover or haven't introduced to the new customer. And I think they're all things within our control. And, and we can do that much better. Um, but we've And we've got to keep doing that because I do think that the bank that gets the customer service right and gets the basic rights, that is going to be the big prize for shareholders. And I, and I want it to be our bank and our CEO and the executive team want it to be our bank and we're working on a journey around that. I was just thinking as you're speaking there, it's funny, some of the, the best guys that work in my organisation, Yellow Big Road, are actually out of NAB or MLC, which is a, a NAB business, like Matt Lawler, for example. They are, you know, I'm probably the world's worst in this environment because um, I'm just a pure businessman entrepreneur and I, I, try, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I, I find, always find it difficult to be inclusive. And uh, Matt's a great foil for me, Matt Lawler, because he's a very inclusive person. He's always thinking about everyone's interests, customers, staff, everybody. And as I said, he's a great fool for me. And I, I'd say either he's been recruited into NAB because he was that type of personality or he became trained into that environment and adopted that sort of personality. It doesn't matter to me because I've got it. It works for me now. But I've learned a lot from him watching him. And it's the same sort of uh, sensitivity that you're talking about. I get it. You guys all seem to have the same stuff. The same sort of DNA. Well, like attracts like. So I hope yeah, that I we've, so. we've given a lot of that to Matt. And I know Matt and I know he was a very decent person and a very well-grounded yeah. executive and, and business operator and leader. So I'm hoping that his time with us was, was helped and, you know, nourished him in, yeah, you know, in, he, in that he, as well. Yeah, well, he certainly brought it to our company. And yeah. uh, it's sort of quite interesting that I was, I was just thinking it's what you're talking about is all the sort of stuff that Matt is. Is that I don't know whether he was attracted to the bank for the same reasons yeah. you were attracted to the bank. But... He certainly come out with good DNA, and uh, and that's that's sort of uh, I've got a good insight, a better insight into NAB, which is what I'm hoping everyone who's listening to this has got a better insight. Into. I, I've actually, you know, I just want people to know that. To be frank with you, I mean, I, this is not some sort of like, uh, you know, uh, me patting Angie on the back, she patting me on the back. This is not what that just because we're Greek mates. It's uh, and you know, I got my mate over there, Spiro, who's uh, you know, uh, very very close to Angie within the bank as well. It's not because of that. Um, I have actually chosen NAB to come in here today and explain what they do because I think NAB is the best bank in the country for businesses for the reasons that Angie's explained to which is better for her to explain it than me. That's all I'm going to do with Telstra. So, um, I don't know, I, I keep seeing all these ads everywhere, all your competitors keep saying they're going to lend $3 billion a year to small business or they committed $3 billion a year to small business. I see it all over the joint. Uh, what's NAB doing? Mark, so we've got confidence uh, in the future of business in Australia. And, you know, when you look at the economic conditions, when you look at our rating, when you look at our export orientation to Asia, the GDP growth, the government backing small business, you know, we should be growing. Uh, we should be growing more. So we're actively backing small business. We have pledged $1 billion per month. We're actually uh, bringing that to life and we're doing $2 billion per month. So actually, you're actually lending, or lending a couple of billion per a month. month. Plus, yes, $2 billion per well, it's month. It's better than $3 billion for a year, but everyone else is and, pledging. And and that's really not the number for us. What is for us is what do we do as Australia's biggest business bank and with our huge priority on small business to make sure we do whatever it takes for those businesses and, and we make sure that we're there and we are backing them and, we're in, and that you're backing yourselves as well. So we've got to get small business to back themselves as well. Okay. Well, I, I, that's a big responsibility and I'm, and I'm actually, to be frank with you, I think it's awesome that you've taken that upon your own shoulders and the shoulders of others. Hey, Jakey. Mate, yes. you're a small Hello. business guy, new small business guy, you know, uh, 
what is your business? Round Sound Music. I mean, media production and audio engineering okay, for so Radio TV. How old are you? 30. Okay, so you go, you're looking for finance or transactional help from a bank, business bank. Mate, you've got the boss here. How does it feel for you? I mean, what, what's, your, what's your sense of Look, it? Look, my, my perspective on this is, is it coming from a complete outsider who's you know, not in the banking industry. I don't know what's available. What can NAB and the business department do for a small business such as myself who is basically starting from scratch, you know, building their own business, potentially looking at, you know, what can you do with my business accounts? How can you help me manage my finances? How can you help me? Angie. Well, Jake, we can definitely help you because it's all about uh, how do we make it easy for you to do business with the bank? How do we bring you insights and bring you the stuff and the things you don't know? So how can we help you around how you're setting up your business, your structure? How can we connect you with like-minded people? Uh, How can we provide you that support and mentorship around your business and set it up in terms of the cash flow, in terms of what you need to do and listen to where you want to go and bring the bank to support you to help you really uh, reach your goals and your aspirations. So absolutely come and talk to us. I'll make sure I leave you a card sure. and connect you with the right team at NAB to really make your dreams come true. They do. You just hooked up with Angie <laughs> Mendes, mate. you got the main game. Thanks. But for those, cool. for those people who can't collect Angie's card today who are listening, how can the listeners... Um, you know, what's your advice to them? In terms where do of, they go? Yeah, where do they go? So, Jake, uh, what, what I'd say to you is you can absolutely get your listeners to email me at angela.mentis.feedback at nab.com.au and, Mark, I'll, I'll put that on your website and Perfect. we'll direct you to the right parts of the bank that can help you. Great, thanks. Well, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you don't get, you don't get the boss saying uh, send me an email. And, uh, look, you've done us a great favour. Look, you know, to be frank with this is a business. We're a small business. There's a small business podcasting business. Uh, You've given us brilliant content today, Angie, and, uh, and I thank you for your time and your team's time, and, uh, and I thank NAV for allowing it to happen as well. So, mate, you must want to pump something. What sort of product, what's the new initiative, what's, what's something you just want to put out there, man? So something I'm really proud of that we launched last week, uh, a new initiative with Clean Energy Finance Corporation. And what that's about is for our business customers who are interested in cutting energy, who are interested in renewable and sustainable business environments. And what we've done, we've uh, we've, uh, given 0.7% off to our business customers for equipment finance. So for example, if you are a laundromat and you are looking for energy efficient equipment, you can come to us and we will help you cut your energy and operating cro- costs through this renewable energy asset um, deal that we've got. So, and your interest cost. And your... Because <laughs> you're going to give a big you're discount. You're going to give a big discount. So, and again, we know that our customers are interested in the efficiency in their businesses and all of us are interested in sustainable business environments. That's a great initiative. And uh, I know if you're a Pig farmer, you're looking at reducing your energy costs or creating renewable energy or your, whatever you're doing. I don't care. It's all about, that's right, that's natural value and great uh, product. Absolutely. Great Thank product you. and a real good interest rate discount. And everyone loves a discount. Thanks, Angie. This has been un- unbelievable. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 